I just wanted to really bring a, a simple message. You know, we're, we're in a difficult time. Most of us are fine. Most of us are not going to get sick. Most of us are not going to, uh, you know, be at risk. But because other people are, we're all having to respond together. And that's really the biggest issue that, that I'm walking away. And I'll just be transparent for just a minute here to start this message. Uh, I want to be transparent because, you know, you start and it's like, ah, this is overblown. It's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm fine. I'm not going to get sick. My family's not going to get sick. The statistics don't look that bad. We're going to be fine. But then you realize, well, there's other people out there that are at risk. There are elderly. There are people with compromised immune systems. There's, especially right now here in the South, the pollen, like yesterday, the pollen started. If you've never been to the South and seen a blanket of pollen on your car when you go out, uh, you've never lived. Well, you have lived and you're missing nothing. <laughs> um, but, you know, so a lot of people with compromised immune systems because of their uh, allergies are happening right now. So, so I realized, you know what, this is bigger than just those of us that are not going to be affected, which is most of us, but there are other people out there that will be affected. And it just made me think about, you know, laying our lives down for one another, going through these inconveniences, making these compromises. I think we all have our opinions on, on what should or shouldn't happen or how we got here or are things really this bad. And I don't, I'm not really going to go there. I want to set all that stuff aside and work from the idea that people could get sick. There are people that have passed from this, and it seems to be a virus that some of us can carry and not even know. And that's the whole reason for you know, limiting our access. Social distancing, what a word, what a weird concept, right? But that's where we are, and I think for now, that's the best thing to do. The best thing is to recognize that we, you know, we're all in this together, we share the planet, we share our towns, we share the restaurants, we share the grocery store, our workplaces, everything that's around us right now, we're just overly cautious and we're making sure that we're you know, thinking of other people beyond ourselves. And that was the, that was the what turned the corner for me because I'm like, ah, I'm not canceling any services. Jesus didn't cancel any services. Why are we going to cancel any services? And then I thought, well, eh, there's more going on than just that. So just being transparent, that, that, that was my process. So I was praying about, you know, where are we? Where are we as the church? And what is it that we can do for people? What is it that we can do for our communities, for our friends, for our family, for our loved ones? And how can we be an example to the rest of the world? You know, I posted on Facebook earlier this week that I'm excited to hear the stories of supernatural provision that are going to come out. And one of our friends posted that they're already hearing things from China and, and I bet, you know, places where there's complete lockdown, uh, God is moving. I mean, it, it's incredible that when we are desperate and when we get in a situation that God's not going to leave us. God is not going to leave you stranded. It's not that he waits until the last minute and you're hanging from your final thread and he swoops in to protect you and help you. It's just that oftentimes we don't really turn our attention to him to be helped by him until we get in that desperate situation. So you, then you get all of these songs and all this theology that comes in that says, you know, a desperate heart really connects to the Lord. And, and uh, I'm being distracted here. What, what are y'all doing? Is the phone going to die? <laughs> Watch your fingers. Okay. Sorry. Thanks, Chris. All right. Y'all good? Sorry. 
we were, uh, the phone apparently was about to die, but so it brought my, I'm just going to jump in here to these passages I have here. In fact, the message that I have today is called viral love, viral love, you know, just like we got this virus going around. I think love can go around. I think what we're seeing uh, with people, all the posts that we're seeing on Facebook and the stories of people going and helping each other, that, that, that's really where the church should shine. That's the opportunity that we as the church have in a situation like this is to lay our lives down and love one another. So let's look at a few passages, <clears throat> starting in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, so this is Jesus. And really, I could spend probably two hours on just this passage. Peace I leave with you. That peace is not just positive feelings, not just good emotions. It's actually a sense of wholeness. It's that we are at peace with God. We are not being judged by God by our actions because Jesus was our propitiation. He was that sin offering for the entire world. So I can know that God is not sitting there recording my sins and holding my sins against me doesn't mean that we should just go on and continue to live in sin. In fact, once you really truly know how free you are in grace, you want to protect that and live more holy than you ever did under law. It's just the way that it works. And people that think that when you preach a heavy message on grace that you're saying it's okay to sin, it makes no sense at all because really what should happen is when you understand how free that you are, you want to preserve that holiness that's been given to you and live well within it. So peace is not just positive feelings. It's that we are in a place of wholeness with the Father. God has repaired our relationship. He loved us. He reached out to us through Christ. We say yes to Him. We are reconciled to Him. We are made whole with Him. Our relationship is whole with Him. There's nothing missing, mostly because Jesus holds up our end of the relationship. Now, we are to live well within that freedom, of course. So peace, we have wholeness with Him, and we are at rest in our soul. And He gives that to us, not as the world gives, you know. The world's kind of peace is external. Usually worldly peace means there's nothing going wrong. You know, there's, there's not any unrest in my life. My finances are okay. Nobody's sick. You know, that type of peace. It's dependent on externals. But God does give us that wholeness with Him, but there's an internal peace that we can live within. And so where I'm going today is that we can connect to and live in that peace and then out of that peace walk in love toward one another and toward the world, and it causes the world to actually believe. So that's the end from the beginning. That's where I'm going, but I'm going to unpack it a little bit more for you. So... John 14, 27, again, he says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now, why your heart? Because your heart is where, God, that's where God works in your life is through your heart. Out of your heart flow all the boundaries and issues of life. Above all else, guard your heart. It's with the heart that you believe. And then all things are possible for those who believe. God wants His peace to protect your heart so that you're not limiting and restricting Him from flowing in your life. And that heart is that inner man. He gave you a new heart when you were born again, and that heart has all of His wisdom, instruction, and commandment and law written within it. You naturally know how to follow God now because of this new heart. This peace protects your heart. So out of that, because you're in that place of wholeness with the Father, don't let yourself be afraid. Affirm to yourself who you are in Him that no matter what, you're going to be okay. 
Now that might not necessarily mean that your finances are going to look perfect and your belly's always going to be full, but there's a peace that transcends all of that stuff. So he, there's, it's like a commandment. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't let your heart be afraid. Fear it's like squeezes the heart and it constricts the heart and it limits you allowing God flowing through you. It's the whole Mark 4 principle that he teaches that the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things, that creeps in. We, if we allow that stuff to grow within our hearts, it chokes out the Word of God. So because we're at peace with the Father, we have peace in our inner man. He's giving us strength. Out of that peace, that's where we live, and that's where we turn our attention toward the world. And so I want to encourage you in this time. You know, there's a lot of people. Most of you are believers watching this, and you're looking at how can I serve? How can I touch my community? What can I do? And I've seen so many ministers and so many people posting you know, what do I need? Do you need errands run? Can I pray for you? What can we do? What can we? And I love seeing that. I've seen a lot of the photos of the food pantries are filling up. There's a couple here in town that are asking for more food and we're, work, we're looking for a way to, um, to help them and assist them. But that's the sentiment that you keep hearing. What can we do? What can we do? So out of that, we walk in this place of wholeness with the Father, at peace within ourselves, Answering, then, then we move toward the world from that posture, from a place of peace, not from a place of fear, not from a place of worry. In fact, if you're thinking, what can I do to help people? Don't do it out of fear because of what they might be going through. Like you have elderly neighbors that you're worried about. Maybe there's people that are sick. You have healthcare workers in your neighborhood or in your family or just people that you know that they're continually exposed. I was actually supposed to take someone to the hospital today to have a procedure just a small, you know, not really not that big of a deal, but it got postponed because there's so much going on in the hospitals. And yes, there are a lot of people going who don't need to be there. You know, we're hearing back from nurses that a lot of people with just, you know, basic symptoms are showing up looking for care. They don't really need to be there, but you know, it's understandable. It's all hyped and they feel sick. And so they want to go check. So <clears throat> back to where we were. From this place of peace, from knowing that we're whole with the Father, and then living in that place of inner peace, that strength that rises up within us, what do we then do? So the message that I see God giving me today was, out of this peace that we have with the Father, and out of the inner peace that we live in, we walk in love toward the world. So walking in love toward the world, John 15, 12. Jesus said, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Then he goes on to say, I call you friends. I no longer call you servants. Of course, we know he laid down his life for everyone. And really, that's what he was getting ready to talk about was what he was going to do for them. But this is a principle that applies to us. There's no greater love than to lay down your life for another. And that's something that I had to kind of correct my attitude, you know, my selfishness in this process also was to realize, you know, it's, it's, it's actually loving other people to not go around crowds and to not have church services, although that's still, that's still a little squishy in my, I don't, I don't like that. But I understand it, and I understand that we're all making sacrifices, and we're laying our lives down. We're laying down. A lot of you people are laying down your livelihoods. I've heard a lot of stories. You know, people are contacting me, have been for a couple of weeks now, that 
you know, you're losing your jobs, people's pay is cut, you're only getting a certain percentage of what you used to get, and you're uncertain about what the job holds for you, if your employer is even going to be able to keep you on or not. And, you know, I don't, I don't even, so I was thinking about, you know, shipments and medication and, and I don't know, there's, there's just so much going on right now that we have to try to figure out how are we going to best adapt to this situation where we can actually be of service to people. So he said, no greater love is there than to lay your life down for one another. So I've had to deal with that personally myself. I, I get it. I understand it. It's where we are now. You know, we, I think we'll all have decisions that we have to make depending on how long this goes, but uh, we're taking it one day at a time. So <clears throat> laying our lives down because we love each other. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That, like, that is, if you want to understand love, that's where you go. And if that kind of love doesn't move you, it's time to spend a little bit of time meditating on the Lord and, and, and what he thinks about you, what he's done towards you. You know, we talk about that all a lot here at Forward Church, and it's in so many of my messages is identity, living as children of God, loved by him, and we love him as a response. So this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Then you couple that with there's no greater love than to lay our lives down for one another. So that's what I want to end this message with, talking about maybe some creative ways that we can love one another by laying our lives down for one another. And let's see what the church can do in a time like this. All right, so let's skip to 1 John 4, 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he is in us. He has given us of his spirit, always. There, if you really pay attention, this is addressed so many times over and over and over that God's spirit is within us. It's a big deal that we live from that, that spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's going to tie back into what Jesus prays here in a little while. If anyone acknowledged that acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in his love, whoever lives in love, lives in God and God in them. <clears throat> so we're looking at what love looks like. Take a drink here. Let's keep going. John 13, 34. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And then one more idea, and then I'll go back and tie all this together. John 17, 20, and 21. This is Jesus. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me because most of the stories that we have are you know, somebody heard Jesus speak or watched him, observed him do something, or something's going on with the disciples that gets recorded. But this is a prayer that Jesus, uh, he's by himself. It's right before he's about to get arrested. So either the Holy Spirit gave this to John or somehow they talked about it afterward. But it's always interesting to me, how do we know this? But God wanted us to know. This was an intimate moment between the Son and the Father. 
This was he was by himself talking to God, yet we have that. It's important enough that God wanted us to know what was going on between Jesus and him and the Father in this moment before resurrection, and it's incredibly important. John 17, there's so much richness and depth within there. I would encourage you, go read John 17. See yourself in that place. Jesus is thinking about you before he allows himself to be arrested and nailed to that cross. He's thinking about you. He's praying for you. In fact, it's very clear. He says, I'm not just talking about the ones who've seen me and heard me. I'm talking about the ones who have not yet still believe. And this is what he prays. John 17, 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are one in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. There's so much in this that I see. The fact that we are one with the Father because of Christ. We are one with each other in Christ. And that oneness should compel the world to believe that God sent Jesus into this earth. It really should just be that. Now, unfortunately, the Christian world is known for pointing fingers and arguing over Scripture and distancing. The church has been practicing social distancing for a long time. It's just called denominationalism. Can I get an amen? One laugh, one person laughed. There's only three in here, so at least I get two laughed. All right, here we go. <laughs> but, I, you know, this is just such a strong message on my heart that really, here's, here's the big picture. Here's the progression. God loves us. We, in response, love Him and say yes to Him and get saved in response to His act of love toward us. Then we acknowledge that we are in Christ, being loved by God continually. God is continually loving us. Then we turn that love toward one another as believers, and people look at our relationships and say, well, I don't know about all that Noah and the boat stuff, but there's something about the way that those Christians treat each other that I know, how they, I know by how they treat each other they're Jesus followers. Unfortunately, that's negative, but I think we can turn that to a positive. In other words, they, they're like, yeah, those people over there arguing about doctrine, they can't even get on the same page. They, they can't even decide which translation to read. You know, I'm tired of that being the, the accusation against us as believers. Our love for one another, how we treat our oneness, and Jesus prayed that we would be one. It's kind of all mingled together, and I'm just kind of unpacking it. But how we interact with each other as believers should be a sign to the unbelieving world that we follow Jesus. Our love for one another, how we take care of each other, how we lay our lives down for each other should be a sign to the unbelieving world that we follow Jesus. And then I see this. I see us as a family loving each other, taking care of one another. And, and really, people are like, well, the church needs to get outside the four walls. Well, you know, I get that. I understand that. And there's a lot of abuse and, and there's a lot of waste in organizational church. I, I get that. I understand that. But... If you ask a lot of the members in our church, and I, I know it's true of a lot of churches out there, they're taken care of. If you're a member of this church and you are connected and you are here and you have relationships with people, you're not going to go without. It, you know, we could, I, could bring our, I could bring Adam in here who takes care of all of our books and all of the benevolence and everything. 
There's never been a time that somebody in this church came to us that we couldn't help them. You know, some people kind of, they want to abuse the situation, but even then, that's one of the reasons to be part of an organized church is that you work, you, you are in that place. That's your family. You take care of one another. You give to that place so that when others are in need, that organization can help meet those people's needs. And when you're in need, your needs can be met. It's not just about meeting needs. It's how we treat each other in the process. I would love to see the unbelieving world look at all of the Christian churches and say, it's unfair how well they take care of each other. I want to be part of that. Did you see how they take care of each other? There's none of those Christians over there that are losing their mortgages and losing their houses. They all took care of each other. I can't believe that. You know, that doesn't mean we all need to become hippies, plant gardens, withdraw from society and wait for the mark of the beast to show up and all that kind of stuff. It just means that when the pinch happens, we've lived our lives in such a way, we've organized, we've gathered, we've put the uh, principles in place to take care of one another. And that's just physical needs. But that could even be enough to show the world, man, you know, that the church, there's weird, some of those beliefs, I don't get it. You know, because they have to have the revelation within them, we can't expect them to instantly understand and believe everything about Scripture. The natural mind receives not the things of the Spirit, but they can understand our love toward one another. Amen? And I, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Christian church, the churches, the organized four-wall churches gather together. Now, if you're in a church that's not stru you know, structured that way and not functioning that way, Go, challenge those leaders, talk to those people, uh, or leave and find another one. But talk to them before you leave. So this is what I see. I see out of that love, out of our... So we, as believers, we acknowledge that God loves us. We respond to Him in love, and we live in that place of love. Ephesians 3 talks about that love is shed abroad in our hearts. It brings us to a place of wholeness. That love brings us to a place of peace. It reminds us that we are God's child. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. That all the things that we need, He already knows what we need before we ever even ask and just seek Him first. Stay in that, maintain that relationship with Him and all of our needs will be met, in, even supernaturally. I mean, think about it. Coins coming out of fish's mouth, food being multiplied. I've heard so many times, even here in this nation, uh, places like food, uh, food soup kitchens or food lines or places where they're serving the community. And it's like, well, we should have run out of chili a long time ago, but we, we had the last scoop when the last person came through. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe you've served in a place like that. Now, I think it just happens without us even to ask, without us even asking for it. It's just when we are loving God, letting Him love us, expressing that love, it's just the atmosphere. It's a garden for His provision to flow. And you don't even have to think about it. In fact, that's when we get in trouble is when we try to figure out how to make it work. So out of responding to that love that He has for us, living within that love, understanding that we are whole with Him, understanding that we are at peace with Him, and understanding that then out of that peace we can turn. We, we were not afraid. We guard our hearts. We don't let fear creep in. We, we let that peace guide us and teach us. We let that holiness that, he's been, that he gave us be our guide and our teacher. Then we unite arms as brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not going to always agree on doctrine. The unity that we are to come into is in the knowledge of the Son of God. Not necessarily doctrine. Of course doctrine matters. But the unity that we are in is that we lock arms, you know, Baptists, 
Presbyterians, Catholics, whatever, a bunch of them out there. I was talking to actually somebody the other day. I don't have a lot of experience with all those denominations. For me, it's like, well, don't we all believe in Jesus? But then you hear what people think we think. And anyway, rabbit trail, sidetrack. Let me get back on the topic. Out of our love for one another, we link arms and we acknowledge, you're my brother, you're my sister, we're going to take care of each other. And then imagine this, imagine this picture, a united church acknowledging God as our Father, acknowledging Christ as our Lord and Savior, acknowledging our unity in His family. And then we turn that attention toward the world and we move toward the world in love. Imagine what a united church would look like. Billions of people all over the planet collectively turning their hearts toward the community and praying for them, laying their lives down to go into the communities and pray for one another, whether it be miracles or even just physical needs met. Imagine what that would look like. I think that's where we could be in this time. And, and I think we're even seeing it. I think we're seeing the church gather together. You know, And so people will say, well, the church always thrives under persecution, so therefore God will send. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, uh, you know, I, I, just, I don't think God is going to manipulate us. I don't think God's just going to craft some difficulty so we'll all perk up under persecution and then do what we're supposed to do. That, 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 that's, just not, that's not consistent with Scripture. Persecution might happen as you're following the Lord, but that's not the method through which God brings you to wholeness in which He unites the church to move in love. In fact, on Sunday, I'm going to go live and I'm going to talk about the difference between tribulation, suffering, persecution, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Stay tuned. It's a good one. So now let me turn this towards you. I've, I'm talking 90 miles an hour. I'm throwing this a lot of scriptures out there. You know, we'll put up a blog that's got all these passages in there. Um, in fact, I've got a free series on my website, clintbuyers.com, called So the World Will Believe, that I go through a lot of this stuff. It's free. You can go listen to it. But <clears throat> here's what I want to do. I want to strategize with you as the church because all of us are saying, Okay, what can I do? Now, you probably have needs. I pray that you're in a community that you can go to that community and there's a place for you to get help, whether it be social services in your area or your actual church that you go to and there's, there's something to help bridge you over. You know, um, I, I pray that your church is equipped to be able to do that. I know that we are. And, but think about this. This is a time to get creative. This is a time for the church to look at, all right, you know, there, this is, things are shaken up right now. What is it that I can do? And a lot of us are saying that. What can I do? But we don't really know. So here's what I want to do. I want you to just for a moment go through a little bit of a meditative exercise. And, and you know, what you might can do is grab a pen, some paper, get your phone, get your notes app open, whatever. Be ready to remember this because you might forget some, some of these things that you might experience right now. But I want you to do this. I want you to just stop for just a minute. Take a deep breath. <sighs> Acknowledge the Spirit of God within you. Thank you, Father, that you dwell, you dwell within me. The life essence that animates God is within me. He gave me His Spirit as a down payment for my eternal life. And that Spirit is in me. And in that Spirit... I am one with God. In that spirit is the anointing of Christ within me to go into the community and be that king and a priest to represent you. 
And you're just acknowledging God within you. You're acknowledging that you're at peace. And just acknowledge, I am at peace with the Father. Jesus, because of what you have done. I am a child of God. Jesus himself said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Yes, we serve. We mostly serve God by serving people. But acknowledge that. What Jesus said, I am a friend of God. I am a child of God. I am at peace with the Father. Jesus gave me his peace. The wholeness that Jesus has with the Father, he gave to me. The whole relationship that God has with his Son was given to me. I am in a whole and healthy relationship with the Father. I am at peace with God. And I stand in that peace and access grace to be empowered, to be that ambassador, to go into the world and represent. Just take another deep breath. Just stay relaxed. Keep your attention on Him. You know, it's in this place when you're acknowledging His heart, you're acknowledging His Spirit within you. You're recognizing that He loves you and you love Him. And all of those promises, even all the way into Psalm 91, where those who love Him experience His promises. His promises are an armor and a protection for us. For those who love Him, His angels protect us. Just think about that. Everywhere you go, God's angels are protecting you because you love Him. It's not, that he, it's not a box that you checked. Oh, they love me, so now I'll send them an angel. No, it's in that environment when your heart is open to God, you're experiencing His love for you, <clears throat> and you respond and love Him back. You are then open to experience all the blessing that He has for you. He's not withholding it from you. There's just a specific way to connect to it from this realm, and that is responding to his love for us and walking in love toward him. And one of the greatest ways to walk in that love toward him is to walk in love toward one another. So now I'm going to create a moment here, not manipulating anything, not trying to create emotionalism, just acknowledging that God is within us. He says, acknowledge him and he'll direct our paths. So I want to take him at his word. I acknowledge that I'm one with you, Father. I acknowledge that your spirit was, is within me. I want to lay down my life and love my community in this time. I acknowledge you, and I expect that you will direct my path. How can I serve my community? How can I be a blessing what can I do? How can I represent you? Now, write down those ideas that come to mind. It may be very simple. In fact, you might think of someone. Somebody just might come up in your heart. Let's do that again. I acknowledge you, Lord, in my heart. I acknowledge that your spirit was in, is within me. And I trust that you direct my paths. And I will ask again, and I will record those inspirations. How can I serve you in a time like this? Who can I serve 
in a time like this. It may be general. It may be specific. It may be a people group to pray for. It may be that one person that you haven't thought of or that you have been thinking of, but you haven't reached out to them. Just give, time, give God the opportunity to inspire you. Give God the opportunity to, to bring up His ideas within you, to lead you and guide you. What if every believer on the planet, we just turned our hearts toward Him and we took action under the direction of His Spirit? He is speaking, He is leading, and He is guiding. One more time, just acknowledge, Father, I thank You that You're within me. I thank You that I'm one with You. I lay my life, I'm willing to lay my life down to be a blessing to my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And with our arms locked tight, acknowledging our unity that we are your children, Father, we turn our eyes toward the world. How can we be a blessing toward the world? We want your solutions, we want your input, and we want your inspiration. How can we be a blessing in our community? Who can we serve? Who can we love? And, and even now I'm seeing faces, people groups, ideas. Now I pray that you capture those inspirations. And if you're part of a church, maybe take some of your ideas. You know, let, let's, let's be creative. Let's be intentional. Yes, let's continue to encourage one another. Let's build each other up. Let's, let's make smart decisions. Let's, you know, in general, take care of each other for all the health things that uh, are being put out right now. But even beyond that and even deeper than that, knowing that our love for one another is a testimony to the world that we follow Jesus, and out of our love for one another, it shows the world that God sent Jesus into this earth. In some way, our love, our uni uniting in Him, our love for each other, and turning our love toward the world, it's like God can use that to show people His love in that He sent Jesus into this earth to bring them out of death into life, to give them that free gift of salvation. Our love toward one another and our response and our love from Him, turn toward the world, will compel people to believe that God sent Jesus for them. You know, it, it seems very simple, and, and it's easy to rationalize away, but He said it. It's in there. It's our strategy. Love is our strategy. Love is the only strategy that we have. It's the only thing that we're told never fails, love. So I hope that is a blessing to you. I hope that encourages you. I hope that you take that and live intentionally with that in this difficult time, in this time of uncertainty. I pray that if you're affected financially or physically or, or any, in any way uh, in this situation, then I, I pray that you trust God. I pray that you stay at peace. Don't let your heart be afraid. Also, one last thing. Um, go back to our, it's either on our website or our Facebook page. Uh, our website is forward.church. There's lots of good things on there. But on our updates page, we posted a blog uh, that has a walk through Psalm 91. Uh, 
you know, I'll walk you through the prayer of Psalm 91. So if you haven't seen that yet, go take advantage of that, listen to that, walk through that, let it be an encouragement to you. And I also want to invite you to, um, to support, you know, to support the church. I realize it's, uh, um, you know, we're, we're all uncertain about what the future looks like, and we all need to make smart, wise financial decisions, but I want to encourage you to give. And I want to encourage you to give out of a sense of appreciation for what God has done for you and a sense of purpose that it's going towards something great. You know, I don't want to make the empty promises that you give to God and you get this full return or any of that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you know, uh, quite honestly, in a time like this, everybody backs down their giving a little bit, so we want to make sure we could still continue to make the budget. We're fine. We're not desperate. We're not in a situation where we're going to lose everything. It really doesn't matter what happens. The church is not a building, so we will continue. But I do want to give you the opportunity to give. You know, if this ministry, if this church is a blessing to you, we would appreciate it. Uh, you can go to forward.church and click on the give button, the donate button up in the corner. We have all kinds of options, all kinds of ways to give. One last prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to be your church, to be your hands and feet, for the opportunity to be a blessing in this community, for the opportunity to uh, reach out to those around us, to lay our lives down and show the world just how much you love them through us as we love them. Amen, amen.